Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Mark Schaefer of uh, Schaefer Marketing Solutions, a uh, multiple-time guest now. Uh, we're going to be talking about his new book, Belonging to the Brand. Uh, Mark's an executive director of Shaker. Shake, blah, 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 blah. Shaker. Mark is. <laughs> hey, shake. Go with it, man. You get it. I guess it's not a hard to pronounce name, but I'm having trouble with it. Uh, Schaefer Marketing Solutions is a company. He's an author of several best-selling marketing books, acclaimed keynote speaker, college educator, business consultant. Uh, he also puts out the uh, Grow newsletter, great newsletter. I subscribe to it. Anybody out there looking for a good marketing newsletter, check that out. And the uh, podcast, the Marketing Companion podcast, more great content by Mark, books, podcasts, newsletters. He's among one of the top business podcasts in the world. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today, Mark. I am delighted to catch up with you again. So I um, I think I'd, I'd read one of your books and wasn't even aware the first time I talked to you that it, until I'd like done the research, oh my gosh, this is the guy whose book I really love. Uh, and then I, and then I got weird about it. Like, I'm going to be talking to him. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> but you've just, you are a book machine. You're putting these things out. Latest one belonging to the brand. You always seem to be kind of just ahead of the wave and what's going on in, in B2B marketing. So mm-hmm. great content for knowing where things are going, which seems in marketing, it's just kind of this, things are constantly changing. That's the nature of it. Right. But we're also circling around, always coming back to what's you know what's old. You had uh, you had uh, all the digital marketing stuff and email marketing, and I remember uh, DMA. I think it was uh, decided to change its name, but digital marketing. Just as people were getting a little bit away from emails and saying, "Hey, let's do that physical mail thing again," <laughs> and it just things loop back around. Whatever people aren't doing starts working because it's not being overused again. Um, so belonging to the brand, I see in this book, you seem to be talking about community a lot and I haven't mm-hmm. even given you a chance to talk yet. I apologize, but can you tell the listeners a little bit about, about the book, um, belonging to the brand? Yeah. Well, I like the way you frame that about how things kind of come around. I hadn't even really thought about it that way, honestly, but, but you're right. You know, we talked a few years ago about a book that I wrote called marketing rebellion and, in that book, Sky, I got a chapter in there about belonging and community. And, and so the idea behind that book was, look, put down your algorithms for a minute and let's remember what we're doing here. Let's look, let's look at these fundamental customer needs, foundational needs in a world where everything's changing. These needs don't change. Let's look at this. And one of it was belonging. And when I finished that book, I thought that is the most important chapter in the book. I think when all this other stuff fades away, we're still going to have community, like you say. And I talk in the book, uh, so I like this the way you framed it, because I have a story in the book about walking into a store where my grandfather used to shop. This is a cheese shop in Pittsburgh that's been there since 1903. And I walked in there a couple years ago and it still has the worn floors and the, it's a 30 foot long cabinet. And they still have like all the signs are handwritten in the store and the people behind the counter know all their customers and they're talking to all their customers. It's like, you know, it's a gathering and people stay and they chat and they talk and they know their names and they know their kids' names. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have never experienced that in my life. I have anxiety shopping. And I just felt sad that I never belonged to something like that. A store where people gather and they know your name. And But, but that, I, I think, kind of gets to your point. The reason the subtitle of the book, Belonging in the Brand, Why Community is the Last Great Marketing Strategy. Because it was the first one. We're coming back around. You know, that's when, you know, our grandparents, that's how they fell in love with every company because they'd walk into the store and they were their neighborhood store. It's where they got their vegetables. That's where they got their clothes or their 
flowers or whatever. And so uh, how do we recreate that feeling, this feeling of belonging to a brand? I think I think it's a big new idea. It makes me think um, the influencer kind of craze. There's where it's it's become its own um, type of marketing seems to be just buying a little piece of a community. It's mm. frequently some of these some influencers are real, but a lot of them are just put out a lot of flashy videos. Bunch of people yeah. follow you. You're young. You're good looking. Show fancy places, and then you have enough audience where it's it seems to be frequently maybe not always but a a fake temporary community that's being created and sold yeah. uh, kind of to uh an audience that's an age where they don't have communities yet so they're going to grab they can grab on to to anything uh, i think that's a keen, a keen observation and it it's something i talk about in the book i start off the book the first chapter is extraordinarily depressing <laughs> Nice. And at the end of the chapter, I say, okay, enough of that. Let's get positive and hopeful. But the first chapter, I talk about what I consider probably the biggest mega trend in the world right now. And it's this idea of mental health. And if you pay attention to the news, it's in the news every day. It didn't happen because of COVID. It's been creeping up on us for decades. It's not just children, but it really is impacting our children uh, profoundly. And one of the reasons I wrote this book is I saw this headline in the New York Times that said, the loneliest generation. And it talks about the incredible impact of loneliness and isolation and depression on our children. It just broke my heart. And I think what you're pointing out, Sky, is a, is, is a very interesting observation that these reaching out to this this fandom of these influencers, it is a longing to belong. It absolutely is. But you're right. It's not really a community. It might be an audience. That does not replace a community. We mm. need community. I went down some very, very deep academic rabbit holes researching this book. And when you look at the psychology and sociology of community, it is profound how you know we absolutely need it as human beings. Our personality, our identity isn't really complete without community. And when you don't have that, that's when things fall off the rails psychologically. And that's what we're seeing. But we are social animals. We're social. Yeah. I mean, it's... There's a, there's a, uh, I'll tell you, uh, there's a, there's a fascinating piece of research I refer to in the book. It shows in the animal kingdom, they show even like monkeys when they when they don't belong and have certain status in a community, they start having physical problems. And this has been shown in humans, too. So it's not just psychological. It's not just sociological. It's not just emotional. You start having physical problems, physical ailments. If you have this this loneliness, there was this famous study it was the longest human health study in history done by harvard university trying to figure out what are the key characteristics that lead to a happy and healthy life they studied the same group of people for 80 years then started to study their kids and their grandkids and what they found was it wasn't wealth wasn't education it wasn't where you lived it's relationships do you belong in healthy relationships? The conclusion of the study was loneliness kills. And we have more loneliness in the world than ever. So what I'm suggesting in this book, community isn't new. But what I'm suggesting in this book is that we look at community through the lens of brand marketing. That is new. Almost nobody's doing that. And I'm not being Pollyannish saying, hey, start a community and save the world. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, look, as you and I have talked about in the past, a lot of traditional marketing, a lot of advertising, a lot of messaging doesn't work anymore. We're being blocked. We're in a streaming economy, right? I'm, I'm watching TV. I watched TV all night last night. Never saw one ad. 
listen to music for hours in the car. Never hear an ad at Spotify. Listen to audiobooks. Don't hear ads. You know, the, the amount of advertising we're exposed to is you know, that I see is down 95% in well, the, the last. The effectiveness period. of techniques diminish the more you use them. It's, it's right. like humans naturally don't want to be marketed to. You can tell because we build up resistance to it the yeah, more we get exposed right. to it. So obviously yeah. it's something we're it's like our, our immune system. We have a yeah. marketing immune system fighting to prevent it. Oh, you are you are full of wisdom today. I'm I'm gonna the marketing immune system. I'm gonna steal that one. I'm gonna <laughs> steal that book. one. That's the next book. So I might noticed be, something. You might said, be, man. You said you have you had your last book, right? The cumulative advantage, and then you saw yeah. one chapter in there, and you're like, oh, this is what I should have. This is what I really need to write about. Yeah. And although you always seem to be ahead of the curve on this stuff for what's coming next and where people should be at in their marketing and what to focus on. I wondered when you, when you look at your book, even this one belonging to the brand, it comes out and there's, there's a section in there on, uh, I think NFTs and the metaverse. Do you look at your book once it gets printed sometimes and say, God, I wish I could tear out that chapter. It doesn't apply anymore. Like things have already changed uh, uh, so much. Uh, this might be a surprising answer, but no. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the reason is it takes me two years to write a book. And when that book is finished, I have put everything I have into it. That's Every, your baby. You're not going to suddenly say, I mean, it's my legacy. It <laughs> it's my legacy. It's my brand. The only thing in my mind when I write a book is I will never let you down. That book is going to be as perfect as I can make it. I, I, I take out most references to technology because I don't want to date the book. Mm -hmm. This book went through nine beta readers from all around the world, a professional editor, final editor i mean i did everything i could to create something timely and bold and beautiful so right now in this moment i'm proud of every single word in the book uh and 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 i feel that way really about all my books i i you know i had this popular book come out in 2015 the content code that you know maybe it's time for a second edition i started working on that as a project i thought you know what I, you know, there's so little I would change in this book. I don't know if I if it's if it's worth another edition. If you Same leave the with, technology out, then eventually, if you just wait long enough, bell bottoms will be popular again. It'll cycle back around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I think people do maybe look at the date on the book and say, ah, you know, that's probably not good anymore. But like my my book of personal branding, known, which by the way, I mean personal branding. With all this disruption from AI, personal branding, as far as I know, is the only thing that will save us in this environment, right? Yep. The emotional connection people have to you and me. They're, they may not love this bot, but they can love you and me. And well, so and if you and Ann Hanley can put a prompt into a bot and have it write a book, I'm still going to buy the book from you and from Ann yeah. Hanley and a handful of others because yeah. I'm like, they've curated this at least. Like maybe they had an even the book you have now, an editor looked over it and maybe changed a word here and there saying, hey, look, this word's better. Let's add an apostrophe. Um, but if you've curated it and said these ideas I'm putting my stamp on because you have that brand, somebody else can put right. the same prompts into an AI and get the same content. But you don't they don't have the the trust signature you're putting yeah. on there saying, yeah. I approve this message. Yeah, that's um, exactly that's exactly right. And and so. Look, I think the AI is is the what's happened in the last few weeks is is profound. You know, I wrote a blog post, you probably saw it, and it said, you know, mar marketing has been changed forever, starting now. I've never said those words in my life. Not even close. I didn't even say that when the internet started. It took us years to figure out what the internet was going to be. But when ChatGPT came out, it provides an easy public access to artificial intelligence. And it, it is, it, it really is. It's, it's incredible. It's going to be incredibly disruptive and profound. <clears throat> you mentioned, and it gives me chills when you mentioned, I literally, my body, I felt it on my skin because I played around with it and 
it's crazy and you dig a little deeper and it's crazier and you dig a little deeper and it's, I told the thing to write code for me and it yeah. writes code. Hey, write a, write, write a script that does this. I don't know code, but it just wrote it. And then I said, well, how about some MySQL database code? It writes that, hey, can you improve it? It takes its own code and improves it. Now write me 10 subject lines about this. Great. Now write me a review for Mark Schaefer's book on this. It writes it. You look at it and you're like, damn, that's good. I had it write me haikus, pitching specific products. And it wrote them. And I was like, crap, I've been trying to do a good haiku, marketing haiku for a while. And this is way better. It pissed me off a little bit. It scared me. Yeah, it was just the, oh, this is what the futurist is talking about. It's an interview with um, Satya Nadella, the chairman of Microsoft, was at Davos, and uh, he did an interview there. And um, they're investing $10 billion in open AI. And he said, we've worked with them for many years. He said, the chief coder of artificial intelligence, he said, this is the highest level white collar job you can imagine, knowledge worker job. This person is doing this elite coding for artificial intelligence. He, he Nadella said, this coder told him, AI is doing 80% of my coding. Yeah. So, and I can probably do 80% of what an elite coder does if I just know the prompts, if I know what I want. Because yeah. I played around with it and I was like, oh, here's something we did recently. Let me just ask this guy to do it. Did it. it was more elegant compared it against our code it was more efficient Ooh, it was took a piece of code that had a bug in it put it in and said fix this not only did it fix it it told me exactly what where and why it fixed it yeah uh, and the it was point was sort of the the optimistic view of this mm-hmm. is if you've got you know someone like you or this elite coder doing art work on artificial intelligence well now you've got a lot more time to do other stuff you know, you can be strategic, you can be creative, you can think in other ways. So creative, way- yes. Focus yeah, on the creative. prompts and the message because you still have to prompt. You can't say, come up with something new and creative. Come up with a unicorn company for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be a photographer. And when I saw this, what I thought was, I went to school when we had film and dark rooms and all this stuff. Digital was just coming out autofocus cameras were just coming out. I was working for a small town newspaper. I was doing some sports assignments, different things. And I remember with the autofocus thinking, I'm really good at snapping off this one picture as the guy slides into home plate, getting it focused on him. That's a pre-focus spot, but imagine football where you have to focus on a moving subject on on getting this shot. Um, And now they have these autofocus things coming out. They're getting better and better and being upset it was replacing me oh now they have this digital stuff i got to take the film make notations take it to the lab see oh what's the exposure did i get this yeah. right that right they just snap look adjust snap yeah they're not really photographers and what i realized was mm-hmm. not only are they really photographers they're going to be better and fast because they have this learning curve this cycle of yeah. feedback is so much faster and what they're going to be able to focus on and what i should have been focusing on instead of worrying about that was the creative skill of being yeah. a photographer. It was like yeah. back when they first started, you had to be a chemist. You had to be an engineer to do all these jobs. When you take the programmer and you let them be creative, instead of have to know all the little details of the code, now you're going to get better better results, better products, because they're focusing on the actual job, which is not the technical ability to do something. Like writers right. now, doesn't matter if you can spell, have chat do it. doesn't matter if you can, you know, when they came out with dictionaries, it wasn't cheating. <laughs> people were able to have words other people could read now. The printing press wasn't like the end of writing because now just anybody can copy books and the poor monks were like, this is the end of it. It's terrible. <laughs> like, no, this is actually this is the end of us monks. Medium. Yeah. <laughs> it improves the medium. More people can be exposed to it. You can get, you can focus on better ideas instead of just, can you technically pull this off now? You know, the, the camera analogy is is really brilliant um, because, I mean, who would really I, – I actually was a photographer in those days, too, with my old manual Pentax camera. Uh, but who would go back? I mean, who would go back to those days? And I think the point you're making around the, the, the people that are visionary and creative are going to thrive in this environment. And this is a really important point because if you're down in the weeds – if you like, let's talk about content, creating content. If your job is to do blog posts, this like kind of Google sufficient content, it's over. <laughs> job over. 
right? You're going to be disintermediated <laughs> eventually, but in the short term, you can handle more clients because you can yeah, but, mass yeah, produce yeah. it now. Yeah, and it's you really can mass more produce the... it. But if you, but if you, if if you, if you create information, you are you are je- your job is jeopardized. If you create insights, you're going to be fine because mm-hmm. insights come from connecting the dots in various ways. Um, that are like non-traditional patterns. That's where you get insights. You better start having ideas and thinking about things. Yeah. If you're just going through the motions, the motions can be done by a robot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I want to cycle back to, I feel like we keep, we're going to keep pushing away because that's kind of what we do here. But, but I, but I love it. Back. I love it. You're the best. I want to get back to the uh, to the topic of the belonging to the brand um, with, within within the book and that concept. And one thing that always bothers me with marketing concepts is, does this apply to everyone? Like Mm. creating a community, should a small business be worried about creating a community? They should know about it maybe, but you know, if you're a major brand already, you want to create a community, you're a Jeep and you want to create a community of people who like to go weekend warriors and take their, their Jeeps out into the wilderness and stuff and go camping. Great. But if you're a small business with just a couple people and you're the owner doing the marketing, should you really be thinking about creating a community or actually executing it? At what level of a company is this something they should be getting into? You know, it's it's an excellent question. And it's something I thought a lot about when I was writing the book. Is this for everybody? I'll answer that in two ways. First of all, what I'm saying in the book, I, in any book I ever write, in any speech I ever give, or any class I ever teach, I never, I always say, I, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I honor you as an entrepreneur who knows your business and knows your customers. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But what I am going to do is expand your worldview and show you new ideas new possibilities that you need to consider. So that's answer number one. Here's answer number two. So I think the biggest community in this book is probably Twitch. You know, call it, you know, 50 million users. The smallest community in the book is 30 people. It's a real estate company in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, someone (laughs) asked me this question the other day. Well, is this for everybody? And here's the idea. Here's the image I had in my mind, Sky. Yeti. <laughs> now, six, seven years ago, I start noticing people are wearing Yeti shirts and Yeti hats and putting Yeti stickers on their computers. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Isn't that an ice cooler? It's, there's a, <laughs> it's an ice cooler. What the hell is going on here? Indeed, it was an ice cooler. And for about the first for about the first five years of that company's existence, they had no paid advertising. It was completely built on word of mouth and community. And the ultimate example, I uh, maybe three four years ago, I was given a speech in Wichita, and these students were there from the university, they wanted to get a picture with me. So this sophomore, this young woman holds up her smartphone and on the entire back of the smartphone, there's a Yeti sticker. She's 20. She can't afford Yeti. And why is she's 20? Why does she care about coolers? Why does she care? (laughs) And I I said, I just got to ask you, you know, why this is profound. You know, you're, you're telling the whole world and she gets into this whole thing about the community and what they stand for. And she's met all these people and why they love it. She said, every Christmas, I buy Yeti gifts for my family because I believe what they do. I believe in what they stand for. I'm so she believes in the brand because they're like an outdoor brand. They probably have environmental stuff in there. Right. They have good causes kind of. Well, and, and this is a big idea. And this is really where it starts. So- you and me, we're marketers. We're thinking about brand differentiation. We're thinking about the mission and our vision and a and a, a different point of differentiation meet 
let's go back to the cheese store. Their point of differentiation might be, we've got more cheese. They've got 400 different kinds of cheese and, you know, a hundred different kinds of smoked meat. Great point of differentiation. That is not a reason to gather. So somewhere you got to be like Yeti where their purpose intersects your purpose in a way that's meaningful enough that you want to get together every day or every week or every month to to learn about it, to participate in it, to make the vision better. Some products have a community that's natural to the product because it's related and there's a reason to get together around. Maybe the cheese shop could have like a... For, for its elite customers that really care about cheese, yeah. a monthly, hey, we got these special cheeses to taste. 100%. Or something like that. But 100%. a lot of products have no built-in reason for community. So it seems like what you're saying is they can create one that's related to the brand, kind of like, you know, we do a thing with Toys for Tots. It has not. We aren't a toy company. But yeah. every every year, our company will buy some toys for Toys for Tots, and we will promote it. And... So it's kind of like that where you can find a cause that is then related to your brand, even though it's not part of what your product is and your community can be around that cause versus around your product. Is that? Um, it, it's, it, it's even, it can even get you know deeper than, than that. I'll give you an example that's familiar to everybody. I mean, one of the things I'm proud of in this book is that I've got dozens of brand new case studies that are B2B, B2C, big company, small company, solopreneurs. There's a community in here created by a stay-at-home mom with five kids, and she's got 50,000 people in her community. So there's lots of diversity, but here's a very familiar story, Harley-Davidson. Now, Harley-Davidson sells transportation. Now, if you think about other kinds of transportation, like your local car dealership, what do you expect? We're going crazy. It's a President's Day sale. Come down now for $1,000 off. You know, it's everywhere. It's just in your face and coupons and ads and discounts and and crazy stuff. Short-term gimmicks, but nobody has a Honda tattoo. Harley Davidson. You would be shocked if they did anything like that. They're selling transportation, but here's their purpose. We want to help our customers' dreams. We want to fulfill our customers' dreams through the motorcycle lifestyle, which is a friendly way of saying, if you want to be a badass, we'll help. (laughs) And everything they do, from the top of the company to the bottom, is dedicated to helping their customers be a badass. Now, isn't that, I mean, it's it's transportation, but it's unlike any other transportation in the world. It's a a philosophy. It's It's a a symbol of badassery. It's a symbol of badassery, right? (laughs) And so that's the reason to gather Hmm. is because... If you want to be a badass, you got to have Harley. Well, they have, have community. Harley, um, I mean, I'd say Sturgis. They didn't have Sturgis. to create it, but there's a just a natural community that forms around this kind of oh, lifestyle everywhere. and thing. And yeah, um, Every, I mean, and it's it, it's mostly an American thing, but not just an American thing. There are Harley clubs all over that go riding all over Europe. I uh, used to ride a motorcycle, and there is a natural community of motorcycles. Of hey, one of us might not make it home almost. Where when you're going one way, another motorcycle is going the other. You give a little, you give a little high to the other motorcycle with your hand. Yeah. Um, and people that have maybe classic cars, you'll see that. I have a friend who yeah. had a, an old Mustang, and yeah. anytime another Mustang drove or like give a little wave, you have no idea who the guy is in some city, but it's like, oh, we're part yeah. of the same club. Yeah, Jeep, this, Jeep, uh, Jeeps are huge that way too. Yeah. Jeeps, Jeeps are huge. So the idea is. It, it, it could be something about your company psychologically, sociologically. It could be for like Patagonia. I mean, they stand for uh, sustainability, taking care of the earth, responsible recreation. I've got a friend who lives in Colorado. He said, I will only buy Patagonia because I, I'm just 
I belong to that brand. Right. So, so it's, um, so anyway, that's a long way of getting around. It, could it be for for everybody? I don't really know, but there are, it, it, it should be something that you think about because a lot of the other ways that we market today are, are, gonna, are becoming obsolete. And the, the other thing is most people today stop with, they're doing social media, or maybe they've got an audience for their blog or their podcast, and you've got this emotional connection with your audience, but a community is the highest level of emotional connection. That's where you get co-creation, collaboration, trust, brand advocacy. Uh, you've got all this, all these great brand-related emotions going on that you're never going to get on social media or in a or in an audience. It also seems like people will spend more for their hobby than for their job. Um, you know, they'll spend more on. The same product I remember seeing, um, uh, I had a dog and new kids, a new dog and a new kids at the same time. And you get these wee wee pads, <laughs> you put them on the floor and it's just this, it's basically like a big flat diaper. So if the dog, when the dog pees there, it doesn't mess up the floor. Like you put the same rug. Yeah. You put the same thing. You get the same thing for, for kids. You can get it and put it on the bed and kids, oh, if their diaper leaks, cause they don't know how to yeah. do a diaper yet. Let me put this down on their bed. And I quickly found out the the human wee wee pads were much cheaper than the pet ones because people will spend more on their dog than they will on their children oh yeah uh, you always spend more on your pets than you will on one is like it's practical and the other is your hobby and i think it seems when you have a community people are willing to spend more and more freely on their hobby because they're doing it because they want to instead of because they have to get a product for this or they were told to or convinced to or sold into it. It's like, no, no, no. I like, I have a Harley Davidson tattoo. Damn it. I'm not buying a Honda. <laughs> like, I don't care what sales pitch you give me. Uh, this is a, this is my community. Well, even like this, like the Yeti sticker, that's the same kind of symbol. It's like, you know, look, you can borrow my car. You can sleep in my house, but don't you touch my phone. <laughs> Don't you touch my laptop. So when you put a sticker on your phone or a laptop, it's almost like getting a tattoo. You're like telling the world, I believe in this. This is a company that's not going to let me down. I belong with this idea. It's tattoo light. Yeah. Your your laptop has a tramp stamp now. Yeah. It's a Yeti tramp stamp on your laptop. It doesn't uh, hurt. <laughs> okay. Um, let's, I mean, I think most of our listeners know you very well. I'd still like to, to circle around a little bit about you catch up since last we spoke. Maybe uh, last time we had you on, you had gotten the original dose of COVID when yes. it was first going around. It was I mean, it's doctor. still scary, scary, but you got it when it was like, Oh my God, I remember getting it and it was much later. And still when you're sick, you're lying there thinking I'm going to be dead tomorrow. Right. You just have yeah. this in the back of your head. It's not you get the flu and you think, oh, this sucks. You got COVID early on and you just thought the constant fear in your mind, oh, this kills people. Like this is this yeah, the mind game. People. The mind game was awful. The mind yeah. game was awful. Especially, you know, I had it in, you know, March of 2020. And it was like a Swiss Army knife. It was a different symptom every day. You you just kind of had to like steal yourself every day, like whatever it's going to throw at me today, we're going to, you know, we're just going to keep on going. You were a and, virus beta tester. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and there was, you know, there was no treatment. You couldn't even go to the doctor. I mean, they didn't, they just said, stay away, you know, stay home. We'll talk to you over the phone. They said, good luck. And, that was the message. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah. Stay and, home. Well, that's what they said. They said, here's what you do. You let it roll through your body because we don't know what to do um, other than if you're on death's doorstep, we're going to put you in a coma and give you a ventilator. Mm -hmm. So, and, and there were about, there were about three days where I thought I was going the wrong way. And, you know, I looked at that, my front door, you know, I was laying on the couch. I thought if I go through that front door, I may not come back home again. I'm just going to stay here. And and see whatever happens happens because I'm not going through that front door, so it was a really scary time, and of course you know all the horror stories were in the news at that time that didn't really help, 
But uh, since then, I mean, I I was sick for about a month. Did have some long COVID um, uh, issues as as well, um, as a lot of people uh, do. But, uh, you know, uh, the business came back. I feel fine. Got COVID, you know, part two in uh, in September. But, you know, things are, things are good. My business has bounced back. The speaking is starting to come back. Um, you know, people are still enjoying, you know, my books. So it's, it's good. I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm optimistic. And um, I think all my lights are green right now. You wrote another great book. So obviously you still have all your mental faculties and, uh, <laughs> and everything about you. We'll see what the critics say. <laughs> yeah. Anything that's wrong, just be like, Hey, I had COVID man. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's I a was, hate crime. I was sick, dude. Come on. <laughs> I was sick. Really? You're going to attack me long COVID. Come on. Give me a break. So again, people are familiar with you, all your work and whatnot. Is that a pot plant in your background? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm it's looking at that this whole time and I'm like, what's Mark done since he, since yeah. he got COVID? Is he what is he into? <laughs> you know, just, I don't know. You know, it could, it could be. It looks a bit like a pot plant. It could be poisonous though, because it, it was a gift from my ex-wife. So uh, don't smoke that. Don't smoke no. that. <laughs> okay. So one thing we, you kind of started getting into, and I felt like, I felt like I was almost laying a trap. I felt bad about it. It wasn't intentional. <laughs> but <laughs> we were talking about cause marketing a little bit or something tangential to that with these communities and like building a lot of companies over the last decade or so. And I've done write-ups on it. And I've been to events where people are talking about it and they admit this is their whole living is selling oh, these yeah. big companies on, on cause washing or whatever you want to call yeah. it. With yeah. saying, hey, let's create a fake community, basically. Let's create a fake cause for us to pursue, to make our people like us. It's one of my, the things I hate the most in marketing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like there is a gray area in this community building where you're saying, hey, don't just grab some random thing to try to make people like you and think you're good um, and and create a community. Like, there should be something, something real to it and something of value, especially if you want it to, to last. Yeah. And this seems like a marketing technique that can, it's not a gimmick. It, it can last if you build a quality community. Well, it's a, it, it's a, it's a really interesting topic. And um, uh, here's what concerns me. I, I like you go to these events and, and I see, I see content out there that says every business must take a stand. Every business must do this. And here's a little uh, mind exercise I do with my classes, let's say. I'll say, think of everything you bought in the last two weeks. It could be a, you know, a, a, a plant for your office. It could be a book. It could be food. It could be gas for your car, whatever. Now, of all these dozens or even hundreds of things that you bought, how many of them do you know what they stand on any political or social issue? And the answer is usually zero. Now, all these plants and clothes and food, they've all got marketing people there. And the four Ps still really work really well. So I, I think we need to have some common sense about this, that for most people, it's 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 not at the top of their mind. So that's one way to answer the question. Another part of answering this question, however, is that if you align with some purpose or have shared meaning with your customers, that is an extraordinarily powerful way to earn trust and loyalty. We see that in the famous Nike case study when they did the thing with Colin Kaepernick. Okay, people were burning clothes in the streets. Their stock price went up, right? Because they they were buying and then burning them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) You're probably right. It's like a hundred dollar piece of firewood there. Come on. I, you know, I I had a friend, he was so upset. He's this guy, he's this middle-aged guy in, in, in Indiana, the you know weighs 400 pounds and he said i will never buy their clothing again i said they don't care 
He said, you don't understand me. I'm really angry at them. I'll never buy their clothes again. I said, you don't understand me. They don't care. They're not trying to appeal to you, you know, for, for, for you to, to get your customers to trust you. You've got to show that you trust them first. And so sometimes taking a stand can be very powerful. It can be an amazing part of your marketing. My last point on this, and I think this is a subtle point, but something we need to be thinking about. I think it was two years ago, Google's employees walked off the job because they disagreed with something Google was doing. They were like bidding on a defense contract or something. And my first, you know, the impact was, you know, I used to work for a company that, you know, it was an aluminum company and you use aluminum to build fighter jets. And it would never occur to me to walk off the job. It's like, I really need the job. And this is a, you know, this is a blue chip fortune 100 company. I love it here. And, but they had hundreds of people walk off the job. So, it's so interesting, isn't it, Sky? That traditionally, your marketing position has always sort of been held by the marketing department. But now, it can be influenced not just only by consumers, but by the press, by a few few whiny people on social media, or, or authentic people on social media. Don't mean to dismiss people who complain. Or even your employees are pushing and pulling your marketing strategy. So it's really, I mean, it's a new day. It really is. It's a, it's a, it's a new day. So I'm, I have some strong ideas about purpose, but I'm also open to the notion that it's the world is, is, is changing. So I'm open-minded about it. It seems like a through line in a lot of your books that, you're basically saying, here's a technique, here's a this, here's here's a marketing uh, channel, but um, you still have to decide whether to use it or not. You still have to, like, you're not saying it's for everyone, cause marketing, that kind of stuff. These things aren't naturally good or bad in themselves. It's kind of how, these are all tools for marketing. It's how you use them. One company yeah. can start a charity and it's a great thing. And another company might start a charity and it's, uh, you know, not such a great thing because of the intent um, behind it. So I'd say with the cause stuff, uh, just maybe buyer beware when you see a cause, make sure you think about whether there's actually any good there and companies beware, you know, make mm -hmm. sure you're doing something good with your cause, or at least you know what you're doing and you don't get seen as doing some fake cause marketing if you had good intentions. Um, you know, I feel like if somebody looked at my company and said, oh, you give toys to toys for tots, you're just trying to make people think you're nice. And I'd be like, what if we are? Kids are still getting toys. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes you see, you know, bad people. Let's say you see that, you know, some Nazi political group and they donate a bunch of money to a charity and like, they should give the money back. And I always say, you want the Nazis to have more money? No, they need to keep it and spend it on something that's anti-Nazi maybe, but uh, don't don't give the money back. So people are going to do something good regardless of the motivations. Uh, let the good happen. It doesn't mean you have to buy their products, but yeah, I, I'm always cautious of that stuff because look, marketers are just too frequently looking for something quick and easy and building a community is not quick and easy usually. It is not. You know, that's a lot of work. It so. is not, but at least, but, you know, here's the thing that, that you and I know well, Martin, there's no marketing that's easy. I mean, I, I, I've, I've been around the, the patch even longer than you. And I can say with some authority, this is probably the hardest time to be in marketing than we've ever had. Um, it's just the, the competition and the noise and the fragmented channels and, um, uh, so that's why I think community is an interesting thing to look at because it is a foundational need of our customers. It's the only type of marketing our customers actually not only like, but need. It's the only kind of marketing our customers can really embrace 
And if you think about the power of this is not just marketing that works, it's also marketing that heals. I mean, that's something to really be proud of, I think. It's something to, to be excited about. I mean, what a legacy. I end the book. Um, oh, spoiler you know, alert. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's the last sentence of the book, so it's not that big of a spoiler. But So I, I, I got to interview uh, Tom Peters, and um, he uh, was uh, – he was supposed to be on his retirement tour. He told me he was retiring, but he didn't retire. But I, I, at the end of the show, I said, look, what would be your last words? What advice would you give to this large marketing you know, audience that, that we have here today? And he said something that was a little unexpected. He said, when you go home at night, are you proud of what you did? Are you proud to tell your family what you did that day in your marketing job. And I, 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 I love that. It just kind of stuck with me. And I end the book that way because I think, what if you created the most belonging company? Wouldn't that be something great? Wouldn't that be something to be really proud of? Wouldn't that be an amazing legacy to leave in the world that, you know, I created this community. Yeah. It helps our company. We sell a lot of stuff, but doggone it. We are elevating people. We are validating people. We are nurturing people. We are celebrating them. They love being there. That would be a great legacy to leave on the world, I think. That's an interesting angle for the community. All the thought up to this point has been about what can this do for marketing, lead generation, sales, product. Um, a good company community internally for your company yeah it gives your employees more purpose absolutely um it gives them something that they can be proud of at the end of the day when they go home maybe you have some widget you're selling some aluminum and they're worried it could end up in fighter planes or whatever but if you have a quality community that the company stands for um not only is it great for your your customers but internally your employees maybe aren't walking out because they believe in the community you've created and, and what you stand for. Mm -hmm. um, until you said that, it, it didn't dawn on me. Oh, this is also for the company internally, not just for the uh, for the potential customers and customers. Oh yeah, I, and I think looking at your company and looking at what do our employees believe? What do they stand for? What drives them? Do they have some similarity? to our customers? Should our employees really be driving this community? And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting and exciting potential with that idea. It's much more two or maybe even three-dimensional than I than I thought. And now I want a whole other episode where we talk about that part. Now, this yeah. is a marketing podcast. We stick with the marketing. I think we got that pretty yeah. good. Well, um, yeah, and I want to emphasize that you know we're talking about the healing aspects of community, but this is a business book. You know, it, it's a business book. It, it creates a it's it's about a new opportunity to think about community in through the lens of brand marketing. That's what makes it different. Community isn't new, but just like you said, most communities have been focused on transactions instead of brand building. And what I what I think I lay out is that. If you're not looking at, at this as a brand building opportunity, you're potentially overlooking the biggest opportunity in the, I think, in the history of marketing opportunities. It's staring us right in the face. Awesome. I, I feel like that's a good note to, uh, to end on there. Um, Mark, thank you for coming on the show. It's always fantastic. We love having you on. Um, listeners, sometimes I forget when I get into a great conversation with somebody like you, I forget their listeners even listening. I don't know if that's better or worse, but it happens. Um, you can find show notes on the show at ifyoumarket.com. Um, all the links to where you can find Mark, uh, his his blog, his books, all that kind of stuff. What we've got, businessgrow.com, the Marketing Companion Podcast, multiple books. I'm not going to list them all off, Mark, but uh, we'll have links to, to your books there as well, your blog, Grow. Um, and then you have events you do, live events you do as well. A lot of speaking engagements. I do. do. I, 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm a speaker. I, I teach at, at Rutgers University, and I have a marketing retreat uh, every year called the Uprising here in Knoxville because every marketing rebellion starts with an uprising. And we're also having one in Ireland this year. In, I heard. Uh, I was so jealous. Yeah. So it's going to be awesome. It's it's the best thing. It's the best thing I've done in my career. It's the thing I'm most proud of. It's it's it changes people's lives. You are Adam Sandlering this, where you're saying, "Wait a second, if I'm going to do these events, why? I mean, I know I like to do them close to home, so I don't have to travel much. But why don't I just do it somewhere where I want to go? Like he does half his movies in Hawaii. I think just right. he wants the vacation there. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. <laughs> like, no Sandler movies take place at the North Pole. There's no Alaska when, movies. There's no miserable yeah. conditions. <laughs> when someone asks me, "Oh, do you want to speak at our event?" Well, it depends. Where are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's in Canada. Sorry, no can do. Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, book yeah. me a flight. <laughs> yeah, Costa Rica. All right, let's go. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Sounds good. Um, excellent. You do great events. I don't think we need to really promote them. Obviously, they're on your site and everything. They fill up too fast. If anybody wants to get into one of uh, Mark's events, you got to sign up well ahead of time. Um, some some fast, fantastic marketing events there. Uh, again, ifyoumarket.com is the site. You can see all the uh, show notes on, on this episode and contact information for Mark. Obviously, you can find him on LinkedIn very easily and at uh, businessgrow.com. And um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. And on uh, on behalf of the Iffy Market team and Mark Schaefer of Schaefer Marketing Solutions, thank you for listening to the Iffy Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with community, they will come. <laughs> Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted, high-quality business decision-makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000 like if you market the podcast here and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees and 1000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.